0: Hello, and welcome back to the Cannabis Investing Network podcast. My name is Manish, and I'm here today with the host of the year, Abby. oh thanks, Manish, the host of the year. This is at the end of the year, too, so there we go. actually means something. There we go, right at the end of 2019. Well, we don't know. This might air in 2020. It might air in 2019, so we haven't decided yet. Be host of both years. There you go. There back you to go. back. Optimistic right They're here. like Pascal Siakam. Back to back, most improved players. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's... I don't know if that's an insult (laughs) or a compliment, (laughs) but uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. Today we are going to be talking about, just as a uh, timestamp, it is uh, December 16th, 2019, but today we're going to be talking about 2020. And in particular, I want to share sort of some big predictions for 2020. Um, Obviously things in this industry change very quickly but I want to lay out sort of what we're seeing today and where I think things are going to go. Um, and, and Abby, I would love to hear some of your predictions for 2020 and some of your thoughts on sort of the ideas that I have. Okay. Um, and then we'll be able to sort of look back on this in a year and say, you know, hey, what were what was correct? What was not correct? What did I miss? What was, you know, what did we not even consider? Sure. Right? What were the sort of black swans that surprised us in 2020? Gotcha. So um, that's all we're going to do really is just, just go through sort of you know the good, the bad, the ugly. What to look forward to? What to be wary of? Um, so overall, I guess what I'll what I'll start by saying <laughs> is that um, I think we have a rocky road ahead of us in 2020, and that's probably not what most people want to hear. Um, you know, especially after 2019, us have having such a rough, I don't know, six months. Um, you know, as we're as we're ending the year. Um, I do think that we are going to see more pain going forward, especially in Canada, um,
1: at least for the next six months. I agree with you. I think I think you're right. I think in the last couple little while we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of t- tax loss selling. Yep. So I've got a lozenger in my mouth. No worries. No worries. So if I you found like uh, mumbling, I probably am. Um, <clears throat> no, and I and I think that um, I think you're right. I think Q2 2020 will be end of Q2, so early Q3 2020 will be a great uh, indication of what the industry actually has to offer. Um, One thing that you and I were chatting about just right before we started recording this, you know, a lot of people talk about, are we at the bottom? Is there going to be, you know, what, how do you define when you're at the bottom? I just, we just haven't seen a lot of companies go bankrupt yet.
0: Absolutely true. Absolutely true. So despite all of the negativity, all of the pain we've had, some of which... Absolutely came out of nowhere, right? The CanTrust scandal, the vaping crisis, like on and on and on. Bruce Despite,
1: Litton, yeah, the C Canopy CEO. Yeah, I, I would say axed. that
0: that was more of a um, res- uh, that was more of a result of of the stuff that was happening, right? The, the negative results of Canopy, but you know, part of that, big part of that, was the slow rollout in Ontario, right? The slow rollout across the country, right? So.
1: See, so, I don't know, like, the Constellation Brands thing, I think, has a little bit of merit to say for why Bruce was kind of axed out of... Oh, Canada. for sure. Like, he was removed by Constellation Brands, right? Right. But, but the point I'm saying is that he was removed because of
0: poor financial performance. Right. Right? So which which was a uh, result of all of the issues Canada was having and the issues that company was having. Yeah. Right? But anyway, the point is, all of this sort of negativity that's happened in 2019, and yet only two companies have gone broke in 2019
1: i think there's there's a couple more that have filed for protection but i think two are just completely gone
0: yeah and so what we're you know what i'm getting at or what i think we're both saying is that you know despite all of these bad things and all this negativity you've seen not many companies have actually gone broke well guess what some of them are going broke right like it is going to happen and what we're going to see this is the first big point is that we're going to see the great divide begin right? And it's already started to happen. And we're shifting from the sort of everything moving together as a sector to now the market is picking winners. Okay. So for example, it used to be that Canopy Growth was the index, really the bellwether for the sector. So if Canopy did well, a lot of other people did well. If Canopy did poorly, a lot of other people did poorly. So much so that, you know, even only a couple months ago, I was at a dinner and a very sophisticated investor started sentence by saying, he was talking about, um, you know, like, let's say, a random company, and he says, if Canopy is at X dollars, random company will be at X dollars. And, you know, this other company has nothing to do with Canopy, but his point was, you know, if Canopy is doing well, then this company will do really well. But if Canopy is doing poorly, then this company will only do okay. Okay, and
1: you you think that's no longer the case?
0: I think we are shifting. It's mm-hmm. still very much that way. It takes time for people to change their minds and for, for sort of the mainstream opinion to change. Yeah. Um, but it is beginning. And you're already seeing it because, for example, TrueLeave, which is probably one of, first of all, the, the highest quality company I think you can get right now. Um, Trueleave, which is in really isolated because it's in Florida— Mm-hmm. Um, if any company should not be moving in lockstep with Canopy, it should be Trulieve Yeah. because Leave has nothing to do with Canada, has nothing to do with Canopy, has nothing to do with the Canadian market and Canadian market's problems. Right. It's securely located in Florida. Yes, it dabbles in other states, and yes, Massachusetts will be part of their strategy, but the Florida market has been phenomenal. Trulieve has executed phenomenally, um, and now the share price is finally being rewarded for that. Right. So you're seeing that share price surge and continue to have strength with the weekly numbers coming out every week out of Florida, showing how well they're executing. So you're seeing that separate from the pack. Okay. And what I'm saying is this trend will continue. Previously, everything was moving together. Right. And the mentality was the ETF mentality you buy the entire sector. The sector does well, you do well. The sector does poorly, the ETF does poorly. I think that model is dead. I think you can't just have a passive ETF of everything in the space because the
1: losers are going to lose hard, right? And I think you need to be in there picking winners and losers. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. I mean, there's a term that's used in capital markets for active versus passive investing. And for passive investing, they always say it's like a beta-driven market. You know, you just you just buy the market when everything's going up. The market will do good. Mm-hmm. But active managers are the ones that say, no, you can't. There's because there's a lot of uh, low-quality companies in the index. Right. And you always want to high-grade your portfolio when there's turmoil to come. Right. And I think we're seeing that turmoil coming right now. For sure. And you know, I don't, I don't know if we're at the bottom. I don't think we're at the bottom. I think Q1. I think Q1 2020 is going to be very interesting in the sense that you know we can no longer say tax loss selling is the rationale yep. for why the mar- the the number uh, sorry the companies are doing bad. I think it's going to be very important for publicly traded companies to come out with solid financials, not necessarily even just top line revenue anymore. Now people do want to see they don't have to be they don't have to be profitable. But they need to be EBITDA positive. They need to see good margins too. You see good good gross they, they margins. They see margins. Yeah, they have to see well gross like, margins especially. Right, and then ideally, we're starting to see those EBITDA margins, right? Mm-hmm. But I think people are starting to run out of excuses. No, absolutely, absolutely, and I think that I mean you, you can only say that this is a growth industry for so long. It is a growth industry. It's still a very nascent industry. Yep. I truly think that this industry is going to explode in terms of like the sheer volume of what you know, the size of, the, of what of what the market could be. For example, in Canada, you know, three billion maybe in 2020 isn't out of the question.
0: Right and right. and okay, I'm glad you touched on that because we have a, we had a bet that we made a little while ago, um, on what the sales were going to be for 2020 calendar year. Okay, okay. you remind me
1: what they was? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> glad to see you taking it so seriously. Uh, basically, we made a bet that um, it was basically an over under on three billion, and you were sort of the over three billion. You were actually okay. at four billion. We let you go down to three, and I was the under. Okay. Okay, in terms gotcha. Of sales in Canada. Right. I recall this I recall and, this conversation. And the, it's hard to say, but it probably the, the sales <clears> ending <throat> for 2019 will probably be a, a billion to one point two billion dollars, somewhere right. in that sort of ballpark, right? Right. Um, so based on our current trajectory, if nothing was to change, we probably do one and a quarter to one and a half billion next year. Okay. okay. However, we've got a couple of really good catalysts, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got 2.0 products coming out. So that will help grow the pie. That will cannibalize some of the flour, but it will also help grow the pie. Um, and then, secondly, we're going to have now we've you know announced confirmed that Ontario will begin rolling out new stores twenty a month beginning in I want to say April of right. next year. So next year, then we should have you know if you multiply twenty by eight about one hundred and sixty licenses granted. Um, there's also about uh, 50 additional licenses that were granted in 2019, which will be coming online shortly. Okay. Right. Um, so you have 160, and then every year after, you'll have something like 250 gotcha. online. Gotcha. Right? gotcha.
1: So that is the light at the end of the tunnel for a lot of these cannabis. Well, also, I think I think cannabis. we made this bet. Now that I think about it, off of cannabis 2.0, right? Because I think because I'm a big believer, mm-hmm. I think that cannabis 2.0. For those of you who don't know, in Canada, for the majority of 2019. Uh, up until October, the only thing that was legal through sorry the only thing that was um, yeah legal through the uh, sorry the only thing that was legal through the sale. The, the only thing sales, you could buy is flour. Yeah, the That's only sales that were legal um, flour, were were flour or, or some yeah very like or, medicinal type concentrates. Right, dry flour capsules or like very 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 minimal minimal in the in the tincture side um, or sorry the extraction yeah, side like right, ca- exactly. tinctures capsules. But now, you can buy- or Well, not, not yet, yet, almost. Not yet, almost. Yeah. January. It'll be legal, yes, to purchase a high margin extracted product. Exactly. Right? Keyword being high margin. Yep. That's where I think you're going to start seeing. And these are actually products that consumers want. And products that consumers don't even know they want yet, right? That is really the beverage category. And they're already in
0: your head. Yeah, well, look. <laughs> I mean, look, you and I, because we've traveled so much in the States, Like we get to go to California and try different products, right? Yeah. And in terms of product innovation, we can see now what's coming. Yeah. Right. We can see that, like, beverages. Again, I'll say, I'll say, because beverages is a very unproven uh, space. Nobody's really done or had achieved good sales with beverages. But I can say anecdotally from just experience trying them, they really blow you away if you have a good one. Because you're like, wow, this is a uh, experience I didn't I didn't even know I wanted. And actually, it's quite enjoyable. Right. right? Because it's it discreet.
1: Better... It's contained. Or sorry, it's discreet. Yeah, it's contained. Um, yeah. It's, it's very consistent. For sure. It doesn't have the same onset time as, as an edible. It right. Can, it hit you much faster
0: because it absorbs the gut. Um. So I think that's a huge category. It's a big question mark how well it will sell, right? And how will they promote it and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah. but okay, so to bring it back to the point, we have an over under on 3 billion, right? So right now, if nothing changed, we'd probably do about a billion and a half because it's we're still getting some momentum month over month. Um, but 2.0 is gonna increase some sales and then Ontario opening a bunch of stores is gonna help increase sales as well. Right. Will we hit 3 billion next year? I think we've got a shot. I don't think we're gonna get there. I think that um, the rollout will continue to be slow and, and will not be easy. Um, you know, we had a bunch of stores get approved and licensed in August of 2019. Not a single one of them is open four months later. So that tells you it takes probably at least six months from licensing to store opening. So if stores are going to get licensed in March or April of next year, right. it could take them up to six months, I think, realistically to get open, right? Right.
1: There, there are a lot of headwinds and distribution is one of them as well. Like, you Huge know, one. You can have, you, let's say you have 25 stores that we have in Ontario, if the shelves are empty, where are people going to buy from? Or where, where are people going to get their product from, right? Say that again? If the shelves are, like distribution. Yeah. Being like if you go to a store and the shelves are empty. Not literally because you can't see the shelf. Right. But I'm saying if you if they have, if they don't have the inventory to give to you. Yeah. Uh, so even I, with the right, cannabis 2.0 products. Right.
0: I don't think that's going to be a problem. We have so much inventory built up. You know these new stores coming online—they're gonna have they're gonna have tons of inventory to purchase. But you're right; there might be a run on 2.0 products. There yeah. might not be enough 2.0 products to go around. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. There's a lot of companies who've been waiting for 2.0, so yeah. I doubt it. But you're right. OCS, like the distribution is the bottleneck, right? So it's, yeah, for sure. So it, that mm-hmm. th- that could become an issue. But again, we'll see. Um, to bring it all back to you know the point of this is that. When I talk about the great divide, winners and losers, the big one I think we'll start to see in 2020, but really I think will bleed into 2021 is the US versus Canada. And very simply, the thesis on Canada, in my opinion, is just that we have too much capital, we have too many companies, and we have too small of a market with too many restrictions on it. That's been the story we saw play out in 2019. The question is, will the ship be righted in 2020 and beyond? And I think 2020, the winners will continue to execute. Mm -hmm. Those are the people like Medifarm Labs, like Valence, um, like I think Village Farms, but it's a short list. The people who still offer a good risk reward for their valuation, I think it's a short list. Um, And I think that there will be a slow rollout, like I said, because of how long it takes for stores to come online. And also like we only talk about Ontario, but... You know, Quebec has had a very slow rollout. They've banned vapes now. They've increased the age to 21 from 18, right? So there's there's issues
1: with a lot of other provinces. Which I don't agree with what Quebec's doing. It's absolutely nuts. I yeah, mean, and I think that, I think you're fueling the black market and helping Manish in the bet, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely right.
0: I put yeah. a call into my, yeah, my boys yeah. in Quebec yeah, and they, yeah, they sorted that out for you. I
1: figured uh, as much.
0: But, but, you know, so Ontario gets a lot of the blame, but people aren't acknowledging that it's just a tough system. And I think people will start to look at the states and and just realize that this, as as negative as it is, that you have this patchwork kind of system in the states where you have fifty different markets with fifty different sets of rules. Um, the good thing about that is, if one state screws it up, you still have a bunch of other states that can get it
1: right. 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 So they for, can use them as an example. Right? For
0: sure, because like California was probably the most promising market <laughs> just because of its its size and scale, right? That you can right. achieve, and yet. It hasn't proven out to be a good market. In fact, Alan Brockstein, a 420 investor, called it the Canada of the West, right? And, and you know, in terms of having a really rough rollout. Right? Yeah, because it's, it's a very I've, I've been there a couple times, and it's a very fragmented market. And... Tough market, strong, strong black market, high taxes, you know, list goes on, yeah. right? But now you're seeing in 2020, you'll see the launch of Michigan and Illinois as fully recreational markets. Those will, you know, prediction for 2020, be very good markets. But again, 2020 is just their first year. 2021 will really, I think, be a a very big year for those markets. But I think 2020, you'll start to see just how powerful they are, Mm -hmm. right? Because in Canada, we're so obsessed with Ontario, Ontario, Ontario. Ontario has 12 million people. Well, you know who else has 12 million people? You know, Michigan and Illinois, each are pretty close to those populations. Florida has 20 million people. So you've got to, you know, a couple of Ontarios in the States, which are either coming online or may come online.
1: Right. Um, and I don't think there's any denying, I don't think anybody's saying that the US market is less attractive than the, Amer- than the Canadian market. Well, it has its own issues, right? To be clear,
0: right? right? And the, the big one is the 280E double taxation, which makes it very hard for them to make a profit over there. Mm-hmm. So That's a huge issue, no question. However, it's just that if you look at how much capital has been invested in Canada for the size of market. Um, a fraction of that has been invested in the U.S. for much larger markets. So per capita, per head, the opportunity seems a lot more attractive. Mm -hmm. And I think investors, they started to clue in on that in 2019. I think the data is going to lead people to make those same decisions in 2020 and 2021. Um, What could be a really cool catalyst in 2020 is that you have a couple of states coming up for full legalization um, that could really help move the needle. So uh, a couple of states to watch going forward in 2020, sort of my favorite ones, are Florida, um, which is, in my opinion, the best market we have in cannabis right now. That could mm-hmm. go fully wreck in 2020. Um, Pennsylvania, which is medicinal right now, but has the potential to go fully rec. Uh, New York, same story. New Jersey and Arizona. Those are, those are five states representing a lot of population.
1: And what about uh, Michigan. Well, so again, Michigan's fully recreational, right? These are are states which may go fully recreational. Sorry, I I misread that. I thought these were states to watch.
0: No, so Michigan and Illinois, that's top of the list to watch, right? Right. Those those are going fully wrecked. They will be fully wrecked in the new year. Um, Definitely got to watch the progress in those states. But I think these five states could be like really, you could really get a lot of domino effect, right? Because New Jersey, I spent a lot of time looking into New Jersey's data because every year they, or I think every other year they release a really good report, which shows you all of the sales even by company. Sure. And New Jersey is a very limited license state. I'm sort of thinking about it like it's Florida 2.0. It's a very limited license, very dense population, really good opportunity to, I think, uh, establish a strong foothold in New Jersey. Patient population growing
1: rapidly year over and year. it's like a hop, skip, and jump away from New York, right? So a lot of people exactly. from New York will just kind of go over. Exactly. One thing that you know we don't we've never talked about it on this podcast. I don't think you and I have talked about it, but I just came back from MJ Biz, and this was kind of a couple a couple of meetings that I had. People started mentioning it. Okay. Uh, Mexico. Yep. And I'm, I don't mean oh, New Mexico. Point. I don't mean yeah, New yeah, Mexico yeah. as a state. I mean like Mexico, Mexico, Mexico. As a country. Oh yeah, eighty million a lot people. Lot of deals that were coming through from Mexico. Yep. Um, that's one that I'm actually really excited about. Yeah, I, I think I think absolutely. America's gonna be awesome. Don't get me wrong; I think everything you said, I'm like fully on board with. Yep. But I think Mexico is something that a lot of people have not talked about, mm-hmm. um, which I think needs a little bit more light shine to it. For and sure, I think that um, you know, I, I think there's some real catalysts in in Mexico as well.
0: Well, look, 80 million people, great climate, right? Um, you know, definitely some challenges to figure out as well. Yeah, right, but. Absolutely, and it looks like the legalization there, which you know maybe we should touch on in, in a longer episode, do a deeper dive into it. But it looks like it's going to be a full federal legalization, right? It looks like it's going to be a Canada-style legalization. So you won't have, hopefully, a lot of the issues you're having in the states with double taxation and federal illegality and all that kind of stuff, right? So um,
1: I, I agree with you. That's a great point. That could yeah. be a good one to watch. Because the one thing, that, and the one thing that I noticed that nobody talked about. Um well, so last year, I wasn't at MJ Biz, but a lot of people talked about it, uh, was basically Canadian companies. Canadian companies were, were the holy grail in 2018, mm-hmm. MJ Biz. Yep. Nobody really mentioned anything too much about it, none of the meetings that we had with it. Sure. And the other thing was uh, Europe. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised at how quickly the European story has sort of fallen off. You're saying it's not coming together? It's not coming together as well as I think a lot of people had hoped even right. eight months back.
0: Right, 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 right. So do you think for 2020... What happens? Does Europe come back? Is it sort of? I think the certain... issue with
1: Europe is that they're they're just really slow to move, right? Right. So they're they're very tedious, which is a good thing. You know, they're gonna make sure that when they do it, they're gonna do it right. And I'm sorry, Germany, when they do it, they're gonna do it right. You think the rest of Europe will sort of fall suit? Um, but right, right is also very subjective, and <coughs> and you know we have
0: to understand as investors, we you know our job is kind of easy. We have really one stake in the ground, right? We want companies to make money. That's it, right? Um actually I just want to make money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if That's company right. makes money or That's not. Right, exactly. So the problem though is from you know, getting it right from their perspective could be very different from our perspective, right? So it could be that they want to get the price as low as possible, have a very low profit margin on these companies. Could be that they want to only have domestic companies with no foreign investment. Right? Yeah, one
1: thing one theme that I've both those themes I've seen resonate, but one thing one theme that I've seen really resonate out of Europe is quality. They want a certain quality, right, which demands you know a little I mean, bit more of a premium. EU GMP, EU GMP, yeah, exactly. Right. EU GMP
0: is sort of the holy grail you hear about in Canada, but yep. it's very expensive, very difficult. Um, I should mention that <coughs> many farm labs actually got their EU GMP
1: certification just, uh, I think, last week or this week. Yeah, and the stock didn't get much love out of that. Didn't get much love. Got see, a small I pop. Think, I think it's because the European story is not as prominent as it was. Imagine that eight months back. Yeah, I just also think the markets just aren't that
0: excited anymore about much, right? Like, it takes a lot to move a stock these days. And even when it does, even when there's really good news, the market just seems seems a little numb. Like, yeah, it'll it'll pop and then it'll drop off even in the same day, right? So, again, I, I don't know why that is or what that is, um, but I agree with you. It does seem weird that, you know, a company hits this huge milestone and that doesn't
1: get much love for it. Yeah, an EU GMP is a term that's, you know, synonymous in cannabis with 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 quality. So for for sure and and look, if I'm thinking
0: like a jaded, you know, investor who lived through 2019, then I have to say, okay, great, you got a UGMP. You guys have executed phenomenally well. Congrats. But what does that actually mean? Right? Show me that you're actually like show me that you're actually going to get outsized
1: returns. For that EU GMP product now, but sometimes you sometimes it's just um, good to be first mover advantage or have first mover advantage.
0: Well, there's a there's a saying in hockey that I really like. That's uh, the second mouse gets the cheese. That's a hockey saying. Well, it, it, you hear it a lot in hockey because like it's from rebounds. Like okay. somebody takes a really good shot or whatever, and then somebody just kind of puts the rebound in. Right. Gotcha. So it's you know like a mousetrap. The second mouse gets the cheese, right? Have you heard the early bird gets the worm. Yeah, <laughs> this is a corollary <laughs> to that. This is the opposite of that. But it, it honestly is true, though. The, the companies who were the first movers don't always get the advantage, right? In fact, sometimes there's a first mover disadvantage. For example, in cannabis, sometimes you know people who were who were first in the door they dealt with really tough regulations, right? Like if you were in under the old rules um, under Health Canada. You had, like, if you were, let's say you wanted to extract, you had to grow your own cannabis. It was only the second time around when they, when they um, sort of modernized the rules that you could be an extraction-only company, for example. Right. right? You start so, specializing. Exactly. So it, it, there's not always a first-mover advantage. There's a first-mover advantage if things go your way, right? But sometimes they don't. So, that, that's all I'm saying. We always hear first mover advantage. There sometimes is a first mover disadvantage. It just, oh, absolutely. It just depends. Absolutely,
1: for, for sure. I definitely think that there's a first mover disadvantage as well. Um, so, but there is also, yeah. So, separation, separation, the great divide will be between the winners and losers. It will
0: be between companies. It will also be between markets. So, US and Canada. Um, also, like we're talking about, you know, Mexico coming online, what happens with Europe. So, being in the right place at the right time. Is obviously very important right mm-hmm. so companies kind of put their stake in the ground they're in mexico they're in the us they're in europe whatever it is and part of it is just luck right if the government regulations go your way and they're very friendly to the companies then you know you're in a position to make good returns and if they don't then you're not right yeah. but yeah. i think the market is getting more sophisticated and they will start to reward that accordingly now right right what what is a good market and what's not a good market? That's going to be sifted out. And we're going to see that over the next, not only year, but I think two years. I think, I think the maturation is happening. It's just hard to say when exactly it happens. Right. Okay. So let's talk about what I said at the beginning, which is that we've got a rough six months ahead. I'm going to amend that just to say there's a rough patch ahead. If I was to give you a window, it's between six and 18 months. Okay. So if it gets resolved in six months, that would be quick. 18 months would be a long time. But I think that's the window of the rough patch. So why do I say that? It's because I think we used to call what we're going through a capital crunch. I'm going to update that. I think we're in full-blown capital crisis mode. I think that the taps have turned off for cannabis capital. And you need to be a high-quality company with a good value proposition to raise funds. Right. And what the result of that is, we are just dealing with now. Like I'm still seeing some crappy companies find ways to eke money out and that's going to stop and you're going to get what I call circle the drain financing. And that is as crappy companies start to go down to zero, um, you know, a company is designed, it's mandated to try to protect itself and save itself at every step. So executives never come out and go, yeah, sorry guys, we're done. It's over. Right, They, they right. try to the very end to save the ship, which is what they're designed to do. Right. So what you're going to see now is companies who are losing tons of money, they've got to do something. So they're going to find ways, any way they can, to do kind of last-ditch, save-the-ship desperation financing. And some of them will figure it out. Some of them will be able to get the money, and they'll have a very short runway to turn it around, right? And some of them won't. And that will create companies going under, that will create a lot of headline risk. When you have a bunch of companies going broke, and you have a bunch of people seeing articles about that again and again, day in, day out, that is not good for the general market. And that's what I think we're going to see play out over six to 18 months. We're going to see companies go broke.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That's... um... I, I know you didn't mention the names of those companies, but I can I'm I'm going through all the 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 names, and I, and I think I got a good, I think I got a good idea of what they are. You know, as you were saying that, what I was trying to what I was kind of thinking about, it would be really cool. Uh, like we, one of us should pull the stat up. We should see how much capital was raised in cannabis in 2019, mm-hmm. and see. You know, was it Q1, Q2 heavy, mm-hmm. and then like the the down part? Because I, re- I remember, I remember reading somewhere. I think it was like four hundred million was raised like this month or something. Okay. So far, Interesting. I, I, don't don't quote me on that number. It was just something that I looked at in passing really quickly before I got here. Um, and then now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know what? You're right. Like it, I don't want to think that the the taps for capital markets have completely turned off. I don't think that's the case. Um, it is significantly more difficult to raise capital now than it was. Even eight months ago. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Um, there's still, look, there's still there's, money. There's, out, still there's still money. There's still money. sure. I think now what you're going to start seeing, I really think we need to see some companies roll. I hate saying that, but I think we need to go under, go bankrupt. Yeah. Full on, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Like, it's going to take time for the debris to clear. And that's why I put that window on there. So, for example, in Canada, like we've said multiple times, it takes time for stores to open and it takes time for the companies to feel those results on their balance sheets, right? Yeah. So even though, hey, Ontario has now fixed what they need to fix, that's going to take time to play out. And I don't think you're actually going to see it hit people's results until the second half of next year and even beyond that, really, right? So in the meantime, what happens from now till then, right? That's kind of the big question mark. And and how do things work out from now till then, right? Yeah. The good news is there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and now they've put forward the plan, and you can see how it's going to be fixed. doesn't mean that all these companies are going to make a ton of money, but at least there's a path to success there. <coughs> the problem is, you know, what happens in the interim. And, Abby, you're absolutely right. There's a bunch of crap companies out there that never should have been funded, but you know what? They were. Right. And and I can't
1: blame anybody because, you know, as an investor, I invested in some companies I shouldn't have invested in. Yeah, but I mean look, the stories made sense, right? You talked about this in an earlier episode that, like, you know, you've got to be the one who takes blame for, for your actions. Take responsibility, basically. absolutely. Yeah, take responsibility for your actions. And um You, can, you can't you can't I, I I I don't blame myself for some of the poor investments I made earlier this year. That's funny, stories. I, that's funny because that's funny
0: because I blame you for all the poor investments
1: I made. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I like I can't blame my, like myself for it because the, the stories made sense at the time, right? Look, and that was part of the the
0: investment strategy at the beginning, right? Is to spread out a little wider and then see who's performing and then kind of trim it down to the winners. Yeah, right. And that's if you're paying attention, hopefully that's what people did, right? So I wrote here, um, Canada. It will take time to feel the effects of 2.0 plus the Ontario rollout. Um, will we feel it by the end of 2020? Maybe. Will we feel it more into 2021? That's potentially uh, more possible. I wrote here, there is no bottom. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, but it will take time to clear the debris. Um, and actually, ultimately, if you can clear away some of the companies, if you can clear away some of that debris, it actually means more profitability um, for the companies who survive. So that almost would be maybe a, a positive for the sector overall if you got rid of some of those companies. And, just logistically, some of them are burning so much cash. I don't see how they survive, right? When the taps get turned off for capital, I mean, they're going to find some way of financing, doing debt financing, doing kind of what I call circle the drain financing. Um, but ultimately, that will give them a short runway, right? Like uh, I'll bring up a company here because you know I literally don't know what's going to happen. It'll be interesting to see. A company like Xenobis, which did their rights offering, that was a last ditch attempt to raise cash. Their pitch was that was the if, company I was thinking about when you when you were talking. Well, about here's it, the thing so. with Enabiz though. Their pitch was, look, we're so close to profitability. We can grow at a very low cost. This is all the money we're going to need to get from A to B, right? And B is profitability. Now they have to prove that, right? If they can't get there now, they're pretty much stuck. It will be very, very hard for them to take get on any additional capital. Okay. Yeah. So that that we'll see what happens. Um, I wrote here, sort of, the, just to wrap it up is. Um, with desperation, there's going to be bad deals. There's going to be M&A. There's going to be desperation. Um, I think that a prediction is you're going to start to see M&A from outside of cannabis. So you're going to start to see, because the M&A is all really about who has money on the balance sheet. Because there's no point in us merging if nobody has cash. Okay. The whole point of the m right now is it's hard to raise capital. Let's merge with a company that has cash. Okay. ok. So now we absorb that cash, and now we have runway. okay yeah. so m and a is going to be about who has cash. And the problem is in cannabis, not many people have cash right All right
1: now, yeah, exactly. so cash is king.
0: yeah, two companies with no cash doesn't make sense for them to merge, right? Unless they can get financing. So what I think you're going to start to see is companies from other sectors that are not performing well, that are sort of flat, that have cash on the balance sheet, they're going to start to merge with cannabis companies. And you saw that with uh, WeedMD merged with um, a company which, uh, you know, I don't know all the details, but had a lot of cash on the balance sheet and actually uh, basically provided medical cannabis for um, uh, the unions. That's interesting. Okay. Right. And then the union also agreed to invest $25 million or something as part of the deal. Sure. So it was really like the, the impetus for that. Yes, it made business sense but they needed that capital. That's really what drove that deal. I think you're gonna see more of that. In
1: 2020? Absolutely, because companies need to survive. So new entrants that are not technically in the space. That's actually pretty interesting, Um, like beverage companies and whatnot kind of get in.
0: For sure, and so on that point, um, there's gonna be no straight shot upwards or downwards. Uh, The FOMO's over, there's chances to make money as companies need to raise the capital, so it's gonna bounce around. You're gonna see it go up, but it's not going to go straight up. It's going to go up. It's going to come down. Um, there's definitely places to get good value. But I think the days of that FOMO are over, um, at least for now, unless there's some sort of big impetus like you know, federal legalization in the U.S. or something like that. So that's about it. Those, those are the really the, the big
1: 2020 predictions, Abby. Anything you, you see that we sort of missed out there? Uh, no, you know what? That was very comprehensive. Um, I like that we recapped the bet. <laughs> three, billion, um, 2020. $3 $3 billion 2020. Actually, I want to throw one more thing up there really, really, really quickly. Um, do you think the states will uh, legalize 2020?
0: Absolutely not. I think the best shot we'll have is that some of those states I mentioned, especially New Jersey, especially Florida, especially New York, those guys legalizing, if we even get two big states legalizing, which is very possible, yeah. I think those could be the dominoes, um, which create the opportunity... To go past the tipping point. Gotcha. Once you have a certain number of big states that are fully legal, yeah. we're, we can't go back.
1: Right, right, right. right so I think right, that's. I think that's about the ba- really. What the about banking? Do you think banking regulations are going to
0: change? Safe Act. I don't know. It's out of our
1: hands. Who knows? Let's see what happens. It's the government stuff. You never really know. So. And you know what? I'm going to put that question out to everybody who's listening as well. Do you think the states are going to are going to legalize if they if you are feel free to.
0: Yeah, guys, send send us your predictions. Cin podcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much, guys, and take care.